Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of the Provcast. My name is Brendan. And I'm Court. And we have a treat for you today. So this is just me and Court today. And we are going to be talking about uh, the Marley adoption. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that because this has been a multi-year journey, which is not something that actually is exciting. It's yeah. a multi-year <laughs> journey. But um, we have some juicy, delicious updates for you today. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, but uh, so I'm just going to start by... Um, Asking you to talk about your adoption, um, you know, you uh, through prayer chose Kyrgyzstan, which is a country that really none of us know about. Um, but the affinity that I have with that is that it is an Asian country, <laughs> right? Hashtag Asian pride. Yeah. Um, but I just want to, if you if you just mind explaining a little bit of maybe how that came about. I know you talked about in a sermon uh, international adoption and the process. So let's, let's, uh, maybe talk about your heart for this particular nation, how you found it, and then what a general adoption process looks like for an international adoption like that. Sure. So, um, Morgan and I also did not know that Kyrgyzstan existed before we, uh, began the international adoption process. Uh, when Morgan and I were in our premarital counseling, um, 12 years ago, yeah, 12 years ago now, Sheesh. she, uh, we both agreed we wanted to be adoptive parents, um, we weren't sure on the timing on that. Uh, obviously, later on, planting Providence and then um, getting to know our very good friends, uh, Corey and Leah Elder, and talking with them about uh, the adoption of their son from Russia uh, before they had any biological children led us to, to begin the process to adopt. And um, we were initially going to go domestically, um, but really felt like the Lord was tugging on us to do something um, internationally, which was not on the horizon for us and has proven to be a very uh, just amazing process as well as difficult but but totally worthy of the efforts and so um we came to kyrgyzstan through actually praying with our home group through the joshua project for unreached people groups we were praying for the country of kyrgyzstan and we had also just uh, applied or pre-applied with uh, america world adoption at the time and just giving them our information as a family and they they basically say hey here's the program that we think would work for you and kyrgyzstan was that program and so we just felt like it really confirmed a lot that, that that would be the program from a country that we didn't even hear about. We'd never heard about until the Joshua Project, and then now uh, we were getting paired there. And so uh, that started a journey about seven years ago now that we started uh, doing all of the, the paperwork necessary. So to answer your question about the process, you know, you, you begin by uh, a lot of paperwork. You know, that's in the adoption world, it's called paper pregnancy. And so you, you start by getting all of their uh, fingerprinting and um, all of your background checks and um, you have to have a home study done that lots of questions that are done uh, where uh, social workers will ask you questions about your your childhood and your family life and all of your history and um, and then you have to go through all of the with the international adoption in particular you got to go through the federal level um, which includes immigration approval because one of the uh, coolest things about international adoption is that once your child actually uh, is adopted by you uh, in country, then it also they begin to be adopted uh, in the United States, and they mm -hmm. become uh, full American citizens, which is a really cool, uh, a really cool thing. So you st you have to go through that approval with the FBI, with FBI fingerprints, and you get an, uh, applications there. And after everything's uh, fulfilled with your paperwork, you obviously have to pay a lot of fees, and you get the documents apostilled at the state's office, uh, which is really just a seal of approval and certification that this is an authentic document. Mm. And then you make a ton of copies of this. Um, the worst part about this uh, process internationally is that apostilles are stapled. So it's, an apostille is a piece of paper with the Secretary of State's seal on it, huh. and it's stapled to the front of a document. And so you have to hand copy with because you can't just put it through the 
you know, yeah. the copy machine where it just kind of, I guess, rolls the, the, the sheets of paper through, but you actually have to like open up the copy machine and individually copy each and every document, which uh. it's thick, you know, it's like a, looks like Julie Weaver's trapper keeper whenever she shows up for children's <laughs> ministry with her curriculum. <laughs> but, um, you get all that and you send it over. And then basically in international adoption, once the dossier is, uh, into done and in the country, now you're waiting for what's called, uh, matching. You're matched with a child. They send you that match and, uh, invite you for a trip. And, and every country is different. Some some countries, you get your your bonding, your court case, and their finalization in one trip. Mm. Some have two trips. We just so happen to luck into the uh, the country that requires three trips: oh, yeah. a bonding trip, a court case trip, and then um, and then finally the the travel documents. And so we uh, we went through that in 2016 uh, through 2017, uh, getting Jonas and bringing him home. That's our son and. And that's been amazing. And uh, while we were on our first trip uh, for bonding, we found out that Jonas had a little sister who was only six month old, six months old at the time. And so um, we had already started the process. We said we'll finish up with Jonas, and then we'll just immediately turn around and because we had to wait until she actually gets in the system to adopt her. That yeah. takes year, year and a half. She was only six months old, so she she still had a year before she was even adoptable. Mm-hmm. So we figured we'll just finish up with Jonas and then turn around and and, uh, and adopt her. And, and that's what we did. And we thought that that would be much shorter, but it just hasn't hasn't panned <laughs> yeah so you said it's been a seven-year process to this point total with uh, since the beginning with Jonas yes okay and so and you've been waiting four years now just about for Jane yes so talk about that waiting process what has that been for you I know it's been arduous and painstaking uh, share with us a little bit of your heart through that yeah so um, uh, Morgan and I have obviously we, we kind of we we felt that we knew what to expect because we had gone through it with Jonas um you know waiting is tough and, it, and it, that's that's the most difficult part and they they kind of forewarn you in the adoption process that you got to wait and that's difficult but um but we were pretty convinced and, and so was our agency and so was our agent on the ground that um hey this is going to be a sibling it's going to be an open and closed case they know us it's going to be pretty easy and so we were we were kind of hoping that we could turn this thing around by the end of the year in 2017 we'd have our home and um that just didn't pan. We got our, we got our, we did, we did our side very quickly. So mm-hmm. we brought Jonas home in, in April of that year. We had our dossier done by June for Jane, which is absolutely incredible. My wife is a, is a beast and she got a lot of that done. My responsibility was to wake up at 4 a.m. and drive to Austin and get it all upsteeled and then to do my part. But she did so much work and we got all that done and sent it over. And then we just waited. And um, one of the things you have to deal with with, uh, inter-country adoption is, you know, you're, you are at the behest of another country's political climate and other countries, you know, just like we see today mm-hmm. in America, things are just, you know, nutty, you know, other countries have that same thing going on in theirs too. And so Kyrgyzstan was under an election season. It was pretty politically charged. And, um, one of the political chips that was getting played a lot was, um, international adoption. Mm-hmm. And so, um, at the end of that year, uh, I'm sorry, that, that whole year went by and, and no, no movement. And so we were, we were a little bit uh, frustrated asking what, what's going on? Why is, why is stuff going on? And uh, fast forward, we went through all of 2018 and by the fall of 2018, we're asking why are, why are things not moving? Um, this seems to be an open and shut case. Why, why can't we get things moving? And, and a lot of times in an international adoption, your American agency is only getting some of the story. And so they didn't know what to tell us. And we have a really good friend on the ground who helped us, um, who helped us with the adoption with Jonas and, and her name's Galia. And so we were contacting her and, uh, the fall of that year, the the Kyrgyz government shut down international adoptions, closed mm-hmm. the whole entire program. And so my wife and I had been committed, you know, um, 
we we really believe God's called us to this. This is our daughter. We're gonna we're gonna do everything we can. And so we we kept the faith and continued to push. Um, about six months later, uh, March of 2019, um, they we got the word that they had reopened, and we were ready for our bonding trip. And so we were very excited about that. We went on uh, that was our uh, anniversary. We went and. Uh, to New York. And this is before COVID, so mm. <laughs> went to New York City, which we love that we love to um, to vacation there. And we were excited. We were thinking, okay, we're going to go. Um, and it was pretty special for us because that was the same time that um, we had gone for Jonas for the final trip. So this was going to be a bonding trip, but we thought there's something to that. And we got a call while we were there that um, even though they had reopened, that our American side agency had their board had made the decision to close down the program on the American side. Mm. And uh, that was devastating, one of the worst calls ever. I remember being in a Starbucks in New York City and so loud, but we were both on the phone. So it was so loud that I had to be on my phone. Morgan had to be on her phone. We're standing right next to each other. There's nowhere to sit, and we're looking out the window and listening to them. And I'm, and they're telling us this. My wife's crying. And I, I basically just pleading with them, saying, uh, we're so close. All you have to do is just, I don't care what it is, just let, you know, just keep us. Just keep our family and, let, and help us through. And so we appealed and appealed and appealed, and they just said no. Uh, they wouldn't do it. And so what that meant for us is we had to basically do an entire new dossier with an entire new agency, which pushed us back with our daughter, and and we had to wait. And so we did that. We moved to across the world, another agency, and redid the entire dossier, and this took us about another four months. And and then uh, we started again, basically appealing for the the, uh, bonding trip. And um, right when we thought, all right, it it could happen any week, we – this was at the end of 2019. Um, we got the call that um, across the world, which is different than America world, it's, it's all weird, but our other agency, uh, that they had had their Hague accreditation revoked. Ugh. And Hague is a convention that was done for adoptions internationally that basically just set the rules for adoption across all countries. And all these countries agreed to be a, you know, if you're a Hague country, you got to do it this way. And really yeah. it protects the children. It's a great thing. Uh, but in order for that to happen, there's a third-party agency that accredits uh, different agencies uh, in different countries. So they basically will, like, they'll, they'll give you a certification, like, you're a Hague-approved adoption agency. And you have to be a Hague-approved adoption agency in order to fam- for families to, to work with you. And so because of something that happened in an entirely different country with an entirely different family, just because they were across the world, they lost their entire accreditation. So we once again had to go through the tiers and and uh, moved to a third Ugh, agency man. at the end of last year. And we found Lifeline uh, in Alabama. And we really prayed about that because there's only a couple left that we hadn't used. And uh, Lifeline has been incredible, just a great adoption agency. I would I would uh, refer them to anyone who's considering international adoption. They're very gospel-centered. They love the Lord Jesus, and everything is centered around Christ. Um, and so we, we did a third time, all the paperwork, get everything done, get it all apostilled. And then... Um, in March of this, or at late February of this last year, we finally got the call for our bonding trip. Huh. And so we went and we were able to see Jane and she was three and a half years old. So it was three years since the last time we'd seen her now. And, um, you know, that's obviously tragic to see yeah. your, your daughter growing up like that and you're not there for it. And so uh, it was it was bittersweet. You know, it was very sweet that we got to hug her and kiss her and all of those things. Um, she bonded with my wife uh, very quickly. And, um, and that was... That was a real delight, but she was very scared of me because she's just scared of men. She didn't like You're my beard. You're also an enor- enormously tall person. It's true. Yeah. A white guy coming into <laughs> a Central Asian country. So, uh, but she's very sweet. And uh, and then, of course, like we had to go through another another trying moment as we 
you know, boarded our plane to leave, and we thought usually it's about a month for your court case, uh, but the coronavirus. Mm. So since March till today, we we've been waiting for the ability to get our court case and go uh, for the second trip. It's powerful, just because there's so much um, unknown and, and really suffering in, in, in your own right that you went through. But you 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 said something specifically that I, I'd love for you to expound on. So. Um, Jonas is is legally your son. Mm-hmm. Now, you have not officially adopted Jane yet, correct? Right. But yet you say your daughter, mm-hmm. right? Will you talk about the theology, your heart behind those that word choice? And as you were saying it, I was choking up tears, which I do mm-hmm. every day anyway. But um, I just want to hear you your heart on that. Yes. Um this is probably like the one way to get to get me to be emotional, but I, <laughs> I, uh, well, first of all, there's there's like my theological basis, which which grounds all of this, and it's deep and it's anchored, and then there's my experience with it, and I, mm-hmm. I it's hard for me to to express my experience. I know that you're you're a father, so I, so you know at at some level, um, that 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 visceral feeling that you have yeah. of of fatherhood towards your children, yes. and so uh, that's how I feel towards uh and have felt since i saw the first video of of jonas and and Mm -hmm. also of our daughter and um my theological grounding for that is very obvious you know it's that um it's it's why you know in romans chapter 8 the idea that 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 god foreknew us yeah and pursued us in order to accomplish the adoption that was already in his heart that we were his kids um, and did everything that it took you know that's the the grounding that that my wife and i have had to no matter if they close countries or you know close agencies or push us you know if if truly like we believe she's our daughter then she's going to be our daughter no matter what yeah whether she comes home at you know th- at six months which was the hope or or now at, at four years old um and so that's why i talk about her in the present tense i did the same thing with jonas and mm. and i talk about the her being our daughter as I, as though that's right now because it's true in my heart in the same way that it was true in the heart of god that i was his son mm. even before i i was actually um saved and so yeah, that's a theological grounding for it, but it's hard for me to explain it in the more emotional side, which is just, uh, and you and I talked about this a little bit the other day when we were discussing travel, uh, but the the pushback would be that, you know, well, you're not her dad yet, uh, so don't talk like that, or, you know, I remember that was a conversation that was had by the judge whenever we were talking about Jonas. I would I would refer to Jonas with his name Jonas and not what Jonas' given name was, which is Timur, which is his, mm-hmm. like Timur is his middle name. And uh, it's spelled Timur. That's why I said it that way, but T-I-M-U-R. But I would refer to him in the court case as Jonas. Mm. And the judge was like, why does he keep doing that? And the translator asked me, why do you keep doing that? And I had just told the judge, because he's my son, like in my eyes. And you just have to make it, you just have to make it legal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I feel that way um, about, about our daughter, too, because um, somebody might say, well, you know, you're not her dad yet. And I always think about it in terms of, um, well, th- that would mean that the state were her dad. And uh, I don't think there is another human being, uh, especially not another male human being, that, that is caring for her like a father than me Yeah. Um, in the world. And so I have to do what a father would do. And, and uh, my wife feels the same way, and I believe that about her as far as a mother is concerned. So we, we talk about it in that way. It, it makes it, I will say, that doesn't protect you from sting. It would, it would be easier if we didn't talk about it like that. Yeah. If we talked about it like, well, it's not done yet, then we could try to like protect our heart and preserve our hearts from that. But I don't think that's the way in which God intended 
for us to live this suffering out when he called us to adopt her. I think we're supposed to just lean right into it and say, you know what, yeah, it's just, it's the same way that you would feel if, you're, if your child was across the world and you couldn't get to him. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. And it's hard because you, you got a heart that's wounded and bleeding, but it's also right because it, it has taught me more about suffering, but also taught Morgan and I more about the Father's heart for us. Yeah, that's powerful. And you know, my wife and I participated in just a few different foster classes at one point because we were wanting to fulfill that biblical calling as well. Um, we ended up not being able to finish them because we actually took in um, a couple of adults, actually, on a, <laughs> on a few different cases um, that were they were over a period of over a year. And um, But I particularly remember wrestling with wanting to do foster care at all because I knew my heart would not be able to take that um, kind of the, that, that sting. But uh, I think it was Leah Elder that said, the option that a child or the possibility that a child may leave you should not prohibit you from loving them. Yeah. I mean, and you just said that thanks be to God that he did. God, our father did not do that knowing that we would rebel against him. Yeah. Um, but through all the heartbreak and all the ups and downs and all the paperwork, um, you have an update for us. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this, that means that most likely, I was able to to accomplish the the goal that I'm setting out to do in a couple of days here while we record, which is um, we had a, we were given a court case in July, and um, the problem was that because of COVID and the coronavirus, there was no ability for us to book a ticket yeah. to fly into the country. So it got pushed and it got pushed uh, back, and so uh, a few weeks ago we got word that um, they pushed it to August fourth, and um, there were some tickets there, and. and but we kept getting word back from the U.S. Embassy to say it doesn't matter that there's tickets. You can't come into the country because of the coronavirus and yada, yada. And I just told our agency, I just expressed to them that for the very first time, Morgan and I both felt that um, the Lord was compelling us to take a step of faith here mm. and, and to push and uh, and to basically try to get in for this court case. If they're not going to do a virtual hearing to get in to the country so that we can get to this court case. And so... Um, so that's what we did. I booked a ticket and started talking to our agency and our agency supported us. And we reached out to, um, we reached out to Dan Crenshaw and asked him to, to advocate on our behalf, which he graciously did. And, um, and so we have all the documentation and we're hoping I have a, I have a plane ticket now that is going to take, actually I have two, I have to cancel one of them, but, <laughs> uh, the plane ticket now that's going to take me through, uh, Amsterdam and Istanbul and then finally to, to Bishkek. Uh, and as of right now, the flight hasn't been canceled. And so I'm just, um, we've been asking all of the, the elders and friends who are, who are close and who know to be praying for us that I could get through these checkpoints. And, uh, because we do have a, we have all the, the legal reasoning, uh, that would allow us into the country. Uh, the secretary of state's office has mentioned that if you're a parent of a Kyrgyz citizen, then you can be allowed into the country, which we are a parent of a, of Jonas as a Kyrgyz citizen. And we also have court, uh, we have a, a document that's saying that the judge is asking us to appear in court. And so, um, we've done all of the things that are necessary in order to get there. So I leave on August the 1st, which is the Saturday, hopefully land on August the 3rd, a Sunday. And that way I can be in court. Uh, I'm sorry. I'd land on Monday, August the 3rd and, uh, hopefully be in court on Tuesday. Um, which would mean in the part of the process, that would mean that once the court case is done and finalized, they would be 30 days away from being able to finally get our daughter out of the orphanage and begin the immigration documents process to bring her home. Wow. I mean, that's, it's been a roller coaster, yeah. But we are uh, we're praying with you, we're pleading with you, we're excited with you. And just just to reiterate, if you're listening to this, 
which I hope you are, uh, that means that our pastor court is in Kyrgyzstan right now. Right. And um, is seeking favor with the court system and, and all the things like that. And so God willing, the next time that our congregation sees you, because just to be just to give you some context, this is a Thursday right now that I'm re- we're recorded this. And you guys will hopefully be hearing this on a Wednesday, so just under a week from now. And God willing, the next time you see court, he will be coming back with his daughter. That's the prayer, man. That's that what is, we're praying. Yeah. That would be amazing. That's a big, big deal, guys. And uh, listen, I just want to say that we, we, we know that there are many of these adoption stories in our congregation right now. Um, and uh, we just, Court and I do this provcast by ourselves and we have guests on and so it was it was my idea to have him do an adoption update i do want to communicate that all your stories are valuable as well um and we hope to hear more of all your stories as well um but it just so happens that we we do this provcast together so it was my idea to do this um and we're glad we're grateful to hear your update and so specifically you already mentioned it but let's let's rehash what can we be praying for well, I mean, uh, first, uh, for, for you, obviously, because you'll know beforehand, it's just praying that I'm able to get into the country, that there's no hiccups there, and that mm-hmm. at each border checkpoint that uh, it's uh, it's accepted that that's where I'm headed and that uh, that I am permitted to get in. And that's yeah. going to be the favor of God that allows that. Um, we, we feel really confident that we have all of the documentation to, to prove that, that we do uh, have the right to be in there. But, you know, that just is also uh, up to interpretation. So yeah. please pray for favor. And then... Um, if you're listening to this, and that means I'm already in the country, so there's a few major prayers. One would be that uh, all is well at court, and the legal process just uh, takes its uh, its natural turn, and that uh, 30 days from our court case, that everything is fine, and we get the stamp of approval. And um, in the meantime, I'll probably I will be there by myself. So pray for my wife and yeah. for my son. That's really tough on both of them um, for me to be gone that long, and, and on me. But but in particular, uh, my son struggles with that, you know. Yeah. So just pray for them and. I uh, pray that the Lord sustains them, and uh, please pray for my health. Uh, the situation in in uh, Kyrgyzstan with with coronavirus hasn't been very good. It's one of the reasons they've been closed off, and so just pray that I stay healthy because that would be ideal. And then finally, uh, after the court case, there's just a lot of documents that have to be uh, moved their way through the bureaucracy, both of Kyrgyzstan and the United States. Mm. And um, and there's just a lot of opportunity for because of coronavirus things to be closed and just to kind of like lag that process. So please pray that. We get favor there. Um, pray that we are able to get uh, her, our daughter's visa, uh, United States visa, to travel. Uh, she's going to have shots like a tuberculosis uh, check and shot and things like that. And so, th- certain doctors' offices have to be open. Certain passport agencies have to be open. Yeah. So please just pray that we get favor there, and um, and that the Lord will do some miraculous things, and and we won't be hindered and, and be there too long. You know, when we when he did this for my son, we were there for fifty seven days. It would be great if it were a little shorter than that. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you sharing your heart and, and really the intimate kind of struggles that you struggle with. I think it's it's uh, it's always just helpful to know exactly what people are going through so that we can understand the weight of these things and we can understand the weight of what it means for you to bring Jane home, God willing. Uh, and so we appreciate all of you who listened to this um, as we do each episode that we make. Uh, if you have questions about any of this uh or any of court stories, just shoot us an email, info at providencetx.org. And as, as a greater call, if anything in today's provcast has convicted you or led you to have questions about adoption or foster care, 
We've got a wonderful, wonderful ministry called Providence Orphan Care that most of you know all about. Um, This gives us resources and a community and support groups and things like that for parents that are considering fostering and adoption. And it's not just for that, but if you want to help care for people in that process, if you feel like, you know what, I cannot foster kids right now, um, or I don't have a home environment that's conducive to adopting Uh, But I want to support people that are doing that. There are programs that they can refer you to uh, for babysitting and things like that. Or uh, you can put meal trains together. Um, Just Providence uh, or sorry, Orphan Care at ProvidenceTX.org. Again, Orphan Care at ProvidenceTX.org. Send them an email. Let them know how you want to get involved. And they're going to be sure to follow up with you. Um, So there's much to celebrate. And again, let's all join uh, with Pastor Core as we pray for him in his time overseas. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you are having a great week. And uh, until next time, go now, share the love of God that's been shown to you. Love God, love people, and we'll catch you next time.